Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time we have to spend together. Thank you for your word, Lord, that you lead us and guide us in all of the directions that we need to go, that you're so faithful to be with us. Lord, that you promise us you'd never leave us or forsake us. We ask this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would shine a light on your truth, that it would drive out deception in our hearts, Lord, and that it would illuminate us to live out of the fullness of who you have died for us to be. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I got a confession uh, that I would like to kind of get off my chest this morning. Uh, I am a recovering people hater. Um, It's true. Uh, I can actually remember when this whole people-hating endeavor of mine started. It's actually a horribly sad story that I'm going to tell jovially, um, but you probably will cry as you hear the story. I can remember going to my first school. Uh, I was homeschooled for a little bit. I think it was in like third grade or something. And I can remember going out onto the playground and uh, I really had no friends. I had been homeschooled, so I was kind of sheltered. And so I thought the way that you got friends was you just simply went out and asked people to be your friend. And so I can remember going out onto the playground. I could see it vividly. I, I probably need some healing on it because it's still very, very fresh. Uh, but I can remember going out and seeing the kid sitting up on the playground. And I said to him, um, you know, hey, I actually don't remember his name. I said, do you want to be my friend? And he simply responded, no thanks. Um, I mean, at least it was polite, I guess, but, uh, but I can remember from that point on, um, I have really had a very difficult time with relationships. Um, I was pretty much a loner for, you know, really up until high school, I would say. And then I can remember when I got into high school, I met these two guys and I so desperately wanted to be friends with them. But because of my, you know, past pain of the negative experience that I had, I was super apprehensive where relationships were concerned. Um, And I can remember watching them hang out, and it was cool, and I wanted to be a part of that so bad. And finally, I got the invite to have a sleepover at one of their houses. Now, I got to tell you something. Sleepovers have power, people. Uh, There's something strange that happens when you go to a sleepover. You go in as acquaintances and come out as brothers, right? Uh, It's very strange. And, you know, I can remember we snowmobiled, we rode four-wheelers, we ate junk food. I watched Saving Private Ryan for the first time, which I probably shouldn't have watched because I was far too young to see that kind of extreme gore. Um, But I remember, you know, through the whole process of going through it, I really had to fight against this feeling on the inside of me that wanted to close my heart off towards these people because of my pain and my experience. But man, I can remember vividly the emotion that I experienced in the morning that I was so thankful that I had opened up my heart and allowed myself to enter into this relationship because man, I felt alive. And I can remember even, I was probably 13 years old at that point, but I can remember vividly the, this, the moment that I realized the value of community and how I had allowed this negative experience that I had in my past to essentially steal from me this amazing gift. Now, maybe you've never been on a snowmobiling sleepover. Um, maybe you never were so intensely rejected. Um, by a friend in the third grade. But one of the things that I do know is that every single person desires to live in and experience a community, or as I want to call it this morning, a tribe. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about this understanding of it's, it's time to begin to build your tribe. 
Because one of the things that I know is, is that statistically, most people live their entire lives desiring to be a part of a community, but never actually experiencing this close-knit community where you can essentially be the real person that you are. And I think that sometimes with the way that our world is, with social media, uh, you know, and, and cities and the way that things are happening is, is that we can be surrounded by a lot of people. You know, I joked about it on um, last Wednesday night. We were talking about a similar concept to this and how, you know, you could have 8,000 friends on Facebook. You know, you could have 550,000 people who follow you on Instagram, but it's only the illusion of a community. And I think that so many people go through life with this desire, because we were created by God to be pack people. We were designed by God to be a part of a community. And how so many people live without this thing of community. And I believe that essentially the church in the very beginning, you know, it wasn't set out to be some religious institution that God had sent to condemn the world. I think that the original intent of the church, if you look back at its origins, the original intent of a church was simply to be a meeting place for your community. It was a place where you could come together with people who were like you, who had the same passion and vision and desire that you had, somewhere where you could go that was free of judgment, that was free of criticism, somewhere that you could go that you could be whatever version of yourself you felt God was asking you to be that you could take down the walls, that you could get rid of the fear, that you could remove the anxiety and feel like when you came to a place, it felt like home. I think this was the intention of the church in the very beginning. And I believe that what God is asking us, even as we talk about restoring, God restoring the dreams, is I believe that dreams thrive their best inside of a community. Because one of the things that I know from reading scriptures, there's something that's so obvious is that human beings were not meant to do life alone. You know, I talk about this analogy all the time because I feel like it's so fitting. The analogy, even you see it in the wild about how if you have a pack of, of wolves or a pack of something, is their sole objective is to try to isolate one animal from the herd because they know that together the herd is strong. But as soon as they can isolate just one of those things, those animals individually, all of a sudden they lose the strength of the pack and they become weak and vulnerable. I think this is the main intention of the enemy in the 21st century is that he would so desire to divide us so that we live our lives isolated and alone and we become an easy target. But there's good news. Whoa. I, I think I just said there's good news. But uh, it, did I, 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 think I, I think I said that there's good news. Because the reality of the scripture teaches us and tells us that we have an amazing thing to unite around. That we have something at the very core of our being on the inside of us that we can forget about all the things that make us different. Because that's what the world tries to do, make us feel like we have to separate based on what makes us different. But instead we can unite around the thing that we hold in common. And that's the blood of our Savior, Jesus. 
And this is the truth, is, is that we even see this in John chapter 17. John 17, 20 says this, is that this is Jesus's, essentially one of Jesus's final prayers that he prays before he ascends up into heaven. And this is what he prays. He says, my prayer for them, my prayer is, is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. It goes on to say that, Father, just as you and me, just as, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I think it's so significant that in one of Jesus' last prayers, you know, he's not praying for the power or the miracles. He's not praying to release this or bind that or loose this or see that. What he's praying for is that we would understand that we are better together than we are alone. And this is what Jesus sent us to understand is that he desires that we would understand the value of creating a community where we can thrive in. The value of creating a community where we can experience the fullness of the life that he's paid for us for. People that we could laugh with. People that we could cry with. People that we could rejoice with. People who we can talk about our promotions with. Scripturally, Jesus saw so much value in understanding community. In fact, the more that I thought about that, the more that I think about this moment in the book of Acts, where we know that Jesus tells all of the disciples, you know, go into the upper room because I'm going to send a gift. And for as long as I've read that scripture, I have always thought about the fact that the Holy Spirit was the gift. And don't get me wrong, he totally was the gift. Like the Holy Spirit was pretty much the best thing that Jesus could have given to us. But the more that I thought about this, I realized, I think that Jesus actually gave two gifts. Okay? Because here's the story of what's happening, is, is that Jesus, you know, we all know the story of the crucifixion is that Jesus goes, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he gets captured, and basically he sees all of the, they no longer have Jesus to rally around. And so we watch as soon as Jesus is out of the picture, what happens? Everybody scatters. Everybody runs in their own individual direction because they lost their thing to unite around. I think Jesus was aware of this. I think that, because this is what I know, is that Jesus didn't have to, this is the amazing thing about God, is that God makes the rules. And so God could have said anything. He could have said, do 55 somersaults and then three cartwheels and then dance around in a circle singing Kumbaya and then you'll get the gift. He could have said that because he made the rule for how you got the gift. I think the reason why Jesus told them to go into the upper room because he understood that even if they had the Holy Spirit, they couldn't accomplish alone what they could have accomplished together. And so this was the thing is that essentially what Jesus did was Jesus created a Holy Spirit sleepover where all these guys and gals spent 50 days together on a sleepover. And what happened? We realize that from that instance, from this Holy Ghost sleepover, we know that that community of believers still today, we are still the remnants 
of that community that they created and we're strong as we are because of the community. And this is what it says in the book of Acts. Book of Acts. It says, on that occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift that the Father has promised. Promised. <laughs> promised. <laughs> Jesus had a lisp, potentially. <laughs> and we see that in Scripture is, is Jesus understood the value of creating a community around the disciples. Because one of the things that I've noticed in life is Man, it's so easy to isolate yourself, isn't it? It's so easy to go into a group of people. It's so easy to walk into church settings. It's so easy to go into new places and have this overwhelming desire to just try to slip in the back, to just try to put on the mask and put our best foot forward when our heart is longing to experience a community. And so what I felt the Lord wanted me to talk about this morning was, how do you create a tribe? Because this is, a, this is the question. I think one of the things that I've been loving about Wednesday nights in our pursuit of happiness is understanding that we, are, we hold the control for how happy or good our lives are. I think that sometimes, I mean, sometimes I don't want to accept that. Sometimes, not sometimes, more times than I probably should, I love to blame other people for things that are happening in my life. But I've realized something, that no matter where I go, there I am. No matter how good things could potentially be, it's funny how I just produce what's going on on the inside of me, I produce it on the outside. And so I, I wanted to talk this morning to the understanding of how, what are some proactive steps that not all of you can do to create a tribe for me, but what are some practical steps that I can take to create a tribe for you? Because you see, this is what it's all about. It's all about each of us. If we want to create a tribe, a community, it requires a buy-in from each and every one of us. People who, the Bible says, people who have friends, they weren't born with some special gene. They don't have the cool gene, or some people have the cool gene. Like Jay's got the cool gene. I don't know, he's just a cool guy. So maybe some people are born with the cool gene, but for the sake of my message, nobody's born with the cool gene. The Bible says that people who have friends, what? Have shown themselves friendly. I want to say what my dad was saying this morning is that everything is the seed, seed time and harvest principle. And so if I want a community of people, if I'm desperate for friends, of brothers, sisters, people who are going to fight with me in the trenches, people who are going to rejoice with me, people who I could call in the middle of the night, the way that I do that is I proactively create a tribe. Step number one to create your tribe, you're going to want to write these down. Number one is you got to wag your tail. Turn to your neighbor and say, wag your tail. How many of you have ever been greeted by a dog when they're wagging their tail at you and you don't feel anything but absolute love and admiration towards that thing? I mean, there's very, very little. I mean, I started calling my daughter puppy because I just, I, I love the way that she responds to me when she sees me. It's like that. She essentially wags her tail at me when she like laughs or giggles or whatever. But I realized something, is that everybody loves a dog when that dog is wagging their tail. Can I tell you something? 
When we express happiness and gratitude towards the people that are around us, I mean, what an amazing environment that would create. Like, imagine walking into the doors here, and everybody is, like, essentially, like, wagging their happy tails and can't get over how elated they are that you just walked in the door. Like, oh, man, Brad, woo, I can't believe you're here. God, I missed you. You're the man. Oh, God, you're, I mean, that would make you feel awesome, wouldn't it? Who wouldn't want to be a part of a community like that? Maybe you'd run. You couldn't run. I mean, there's no need to be cool. There's no need to try to put it on. We love, as human beings, we love affirmation. That's why we love dogs, why we love these animals when they run to us and they can lick our face. I mean, I don't know what my dog licks sometimes, but it's like she wags her tail and she can put that tongue wherever she wants, like all up in my face, up my nose, and my eyeball. I couldn't care less because I love how happy she is to see me. Imagine what would happen in a world where that's the way that you're created, you're, 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 uh, uh, you're greeted inside of your community. I'll tell you, it will always be received well when you show excitement to see someone else. Number two, you have to instill confidence. I, this is one of the things that I love to do, and I didn't always love to do it, but I love to do it now is I love to compliment people, and I love to watch the compliments make them feel confident. And you know what the best part about it is? It's free. You know that? Like, you could give away this amazing gift. Like, I mean, there's really nothing that's better in life, right? It's like, I'm bugging Hope, because she's got some stuff on the horizon, and I'm just like, oh, Hope, you'd be so good at this. You're so amazing. Like, please, just give me those shots in my jaw. I just need those injections. Please hurry up and do it, okay? And what I love watching those things make people feel excited, confident. Imagine what a community would look like. When, in, when I go into a community and I could just take off all the pretenses, I could take off all the shame, all the rejection, all the nervousness, because I know the more that I show of myself, the more praise that I get. I mean, isn't that so opposite, really, of the world that we live in? Isn't that why sometimes it feels so hard to create a community around you? Because we're so nervous to show ourselves who we are because we're afraid that that thing is going to be rejected. But I become aware so much of something that what the world needs to see is not your mask. It's not your pretenses. It's not your best foot forward. What the world is desperate to see is real true life. Real people living real lives and watching the glory of God being emanated through imperfect people who still have the ability to rejoice in their imperfection because we serve a God who creates perfection out of imperfection. Number three, you got to connect people. I've realized something. When our community grows, we only get stronger as a whole. You know, I think it's sometimes there can be this fear that can set in. And why sometimes there's the desire to keep things small is that we can feel as though that we're going to get lost inside of the numbers. But I've realized something. It's, it's an African proverb that says it like this. It says that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. 
You see, I've realized something is that people who get lost inside of a community just simply didn't understand how to be a part of the community. I think that what God is inviting the church to do is not to be afraid of getting lost in the community, but realizing that, like the scripture says, is that every joint supplies. I think that sometimes we can get so busy comparing, can't we? We can get so busy like looking at other people and seeing what they do and seeing what I do and seeing how they look and seeing how I look. And, and Jesus was so aware of this when he was talking about the body. And he said, listen, 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 stop comparing because there's no point in the pinky toe comparing itself with the eyeball. Because the pinky toe could never ever be, in fact, if it tries to be an eyeball, it's only going to fail continually. But if the eyeball just is the eyeball and the pinky is the pinky, every single part of your body was put there for a purpose. I'm pretty sure that your pinky toe, if there's a doctor in here, please don't correct me, just shout amen. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that your pinky toe is vital for your balance. That if you don't have a pinky toe, it's like you're going to end up walking all funky. Sorry if you don't have a pinky toe. No judgment on you. We'll pray for it to grow back maybe. I don't know. But this is the thing that I've realized is that what we have to do is, is we have to begin to share and spread the reality of the goodness of our community. I think this is the thing, sometimes we could be so nervous to talk to people who aren't a part of our community about our community. But you know what I've come to realize over the years that I've been in, in, in this community and, and really being a part of other communities or getting to observe other communities? is that people who aren't in our community really are desperately searching the world for a community that's just like ours. I mean, this is true. Like, I, I have the great opportunity to get to travel and to meet with a lot of people, and when I talk about what God is doing inside of our community, even other church communities are amazed. When people come in from other churches and see our community, they're amazed at the community that we've built. Can I tell you something? Telling other people that you know about our community is pretty much giving them the best gift that you could possibly give them. Because whether they know it or not, their heart is longing to be a part of a place that makes them feel as though they matter, that they're empowered, that they belong. And so I've realized the best way to have a great, growing, thriving community is to ourselves begin to bring other people into that community. The scripture says it like this, that there's strength in numbers. And we see it all throughout scripture. Two examples are that a three-chord strand, the Bible says, that one can be overthrown, two can stand back to back and defend, but a three-chord strand is not easily broken. We see it again in the book of Psalms when it says that one can put a thousand to flight and two can put 10,000. And so God is all about creating these large communities. Why? So that we can have this large community? No, no, no. Because there's so much more we can do together than when we're scattered. I don't think that God in his intention was trying to build a whole bunch of small works. I think that God's intention was is that we would be able to all gather together in one place. And I think that we should have one church, maybe two churches in entire cities. Why? Because I believe that together we are better than we are apart. I sort of think about it like this. What if the miracle that you're believing for is already in this room right now? 
What if the person next to you, sitting right next to you right now, is the answer to the prayer that you've been praying? Or better yet, what if you are the answer that the person beside you's prayer is praying? What if it's your touch? What if it's your words? What if it's your encouragement? What if it's your wisdom that's going to bring the breakthrough that the person sitting next to you needs? I started to think about it like this, is that Jesus, the greatest gift that Jesus gave us was that we never have to do life alone. What if thou art with me? You know, this concept of what we're doing. What if the thou art with me is not God sending fire from heaven, but what if it's the God in my enjoy? What if it's the God in Sandy? What if it's the God in Jason? What if this concept of God around us and God in us is actually the God of community, that within ourselves, the God in us, that the Holy Spirit didn't come so that we could just dance, but it's the God in us, around us, surrounding us inside of our community. What if that's the God who will never leave us and never forsake us? What if it's the fact that God will never leave us or forsake us is that you surround us, Lord, with the community of people so that wherever I go, whatever I need, I know there's somebody that I have. I need an HVAC guy, I got Jason. I need a facial fixer, I got Hope. I need this, I got that. I got all these people that are surrounding me. Hope's just in my line of sight right now. She's going to sit somewhere else next week. But this is the thing is that I think that what we have to do is we have to be willing to. A friend of mine, when I went to Israel, he pastors a church in L.A., he said it like this. He said, I would rather see your ugly than your fake. And I think that the, the reality of the church is, is that we have to be willing to want the strength of our... Because can I tell you something? This is what's going to change cities. Community, people coming together, the God in us as we unite together around uh, one cause and one purpose... That's the very thing. When we talk about creating a region of righteousness and we talk about the transformation in the city of Fort Erie and as we signed that declaration on the banner that's sitting up there about what we're believing this area to become, can I tell you something? The way that we're going to do that is we create a community strong enough around us that's able to overcome the community that's against us and we simply just take over the whole world. That's what God is desiring that we could do. And it starts simply by us allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and to begin to express the goodness of God that's in us and show the people that are around us. So Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for what you're doing in us. Lord, our greatest desire is that we would be used by you, known by you, and Lord, let the God that's in us begin to emanate out of us, that we would be the answers to prayers, that we would be the catalysts of change in the community that's around us. And Lord, we're thanking you for that, Lord. Even as Pastor Tommy years ago came in and said that we're not just a church in a city, but we're the church of the city. Lord, we're, we're just speaking, Lord, as there are those things inside of, inside of church worlds of just, 
grow, growth and where growth is concerned. And Lord, we're just thanking you, God, that we're picking up the cause of growth, the cause of growing our community, God, because we're so aware of the fact that people need the message of what you're doing here. Lord, put a burden on each one of our hearts to begin to invite people and bring people so that they can experience the goodness of what you're doing here in Jesus' name. So good. And good. I, I just want to, you know, if we just sort of continue what the Lord is saying this morning, awesome, by the way. Um, but every one of us being who God has created us to be is God's dream. Absolutely. I don't know if you said that. You may have said that. But I, I just, I'm, I'm thinking about it. And I just had a kind of a silly thing happen recently and, and I think it's part of, um, and maybe you could just very quickly pray for us. I think what you explained in your opening story is that you took a risk. Yeah, sure. You took a risk to be you, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And I think, you know, as we hear this today, we're all like psyched and ready. And we just want God to just pour out gr his grace Amen. so that we can take that risk. Yeah. And the funny thing that I had happen recently is I was just having kind of a moment with the Lord. And it was around this, around, you know, us just being able to be who we are mm -hmm. in different settings. And as I'm having this kind of dialogue, you know, in, in my mind's eye with the Lord and we're dialoguing, I'm having this rather serious discussion about different instances about this. And all of a sudden, um, with my eyes closed, I mean, I'm interacting with him. I see him up walking on a fence. And so I look at him and I'm like, Jesus, you know, I'm having this serious conversation with you. What are you doing walking like on a fence right now? Get off the fence and let's have this serious discussion because I need some healing here. And, you know, uh, he just... You know, in and through it, I won't go through it all, but I just, you know, I just feel like that is so much of what he's trying to do is to just get us to just relax. Yeah, absolutely. And to just be free in who we are. Yeah. And that sometimes, you know, if Jesus wants to sit in his chair and be serious or sit on his throne or yeah. sit on a fence yeah. or we are all so different. Yes. And sometimes we will do things like me. I'm like, what on earth are you doing up on a fence? That's not something I would do in the middle of a serious conversation. Yeah. And sometimes people do that to us, mm -hmm. don't they? When yeah. we are interacting with people, they're not responding maybe yeah. the way we think they should mm -hmm. or the way we would like them to. Yeah. And sometimes in that pain that we've experienced, we can misunderstand. Jesus, don't you care about me? I'm, to, I'm burying my heart here and you're walking up being jovial. And, you know, and, and there's a message that he's trying always to present yeah. us. And so I just feel like that, I hope that kind of made sense, but Definitely. I feel like there's a freedom. This is his dream. Yeah. This is des his desire for us because like you said, yeah. through and through that it produces good, yeah. but it takes a risk. It Let's does. be real, right? Yep. There is a grace that we need. We, we need the oil of Holy Spirit to just anoint us like the shepherd would with the oil so that yeah. when we go out there, the flies or the lies of the enemy that try to come when we take that risk and step in yeah. to do something maybe different or something that we've never done, yeah. that we could be free enough yeah. to be yeah. who God's made us yeah, to be. Amen. 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 Yeah, totally. Hallelujah. So maybe let's do that. Yeah. Let's just take a minute, with, maybe with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Um, I just love to take a moment of privacy and concentration because I know Thank you, that. Jesus. I know that sometimes in dealing with these things that we don't necessarily love to 
express something physically, but I know that when we express something physically, something internally shifts. So I'm going to ask that. I'm going to ask if you felt fear, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, no one's looking around. If you felt fear to be yourself, felt like you couldn't be yourself, that if you were yourself, you wouldn't be liked or loved or accepted, I'm just going to ask you really quickly, three, two, one, raise your hand. See those hands everywhere in the room. That's you. Put your hands down. I'm just going to pray over. Maybe we could do this. Let's everybody touch your neighbor in some culturally appropriate way, preferably. (laughs) (laughs) Heavenly Father, we're thanking you, Father, right now. Lord, I felt like even as you asked me to have everybody touch each other, God, that it's a representation or a symbolism that we are, we're deciding to go beyond our differences and focus on what unites us. That we're not going to judge our differences, but we're going to rejoice at the diversity of the community that you've created around us. Lord, every lie, every deception, every trauma, every negative situation that each and every one of us has experienced where being vulnerable or relationships or putting ourselves out there are concerned, Father. We just sever any emotional ties, any mental ties that we have had with those things that would make us afraid to take a risk and step out and be the very image of Christ that you've placed on the inside of us. God, we know that you created us to be diverse and different because there's not one person that can possess the fullness of your attributes, but collectively, God, we shine, God, as an image of the full, true representation of you. So our differences are to be celebrated because our differences give a more clear and adequate picture of the complexity and the beauty of who you are. So we reject the fear that says we cannot be who you've made us to be and accept the reality that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together intentionally in our mother's womb. Every moment, every step, every thought was intricately crafted in heaven well before the beginning of time itself. God, we are not a mistake. We're not an accident. But God, we were intended and designed like Esther to live in such a time as this. And we choose, God, community, the strength of community over the fear of rejection. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus or you've known about him, but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat the simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen.
All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.